Hello, friends. Welcome to a podcast where you can speak your truth and Loco will listen. My name is Jake Loco. Thank you for being here at the Loco Listens podcast. Stay tuned for a great episode and please feel free to stick around for the outro at the end where I will give you my thoughts and reflections on this fantastic discussion. Enjoy and thank you again for being with us. All right, my friends, happy to be here today to introduce Loomis from the Chanted Down Radio. And he, since the early 2000s, has been on this very fascinating journey, uncovering the secrets and compiling lots of information, over 10 years worth of podcasting on the, on the Chanted Down Radio. And today we have a lot to go over, but let me tell you a little bit about Loomis. Loomis is a truth speaker a radio show host, an ex-lyricist, an activist, a researcher, physical trainer, filmmaker, and overall a philosopher of truth. You can find him at chantitdownradio.com. And we have a lot to go over today, particularly about Egypt, which he had recently just come back from a really cool trip. Glad we got to put this together, Loomis. Welcome to the Local Listens podcast, man. How's it going today? Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. It's good to be here. Absolutely, man. Likewise. And I just want to let everyone know, uh, when I first started this Instagram account at Local Listens and I was talking to podcasters, you were one of the first people who I had like a real conversation with. And it's uh, pretty funny because we were planning out this episode and you said, all right, you know, I can do it, but we have to wait until later in April, later in May, because I'm going to Egypt. So you just got, got back recently. So I'm really excited to get into that. Uh, before we start, I do want to give a quick shout out to Mark from My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. When we, when we first connected, Loomis, you had mentioned that you were just on his show. So I was listening to that episode on my drive to go and actually meet Mark face to, to face. And that was my first introduction to the podcasting community in the real world. So that was really cool. And I appreciate you uh, helping me stay cool. motivated and, and encouraged. But For our ritual first question, Loomis, I want to ask you this. Uh, When you think back to all these years that you've been uh, talking about the truth, about the paradigm in which you've been shifting around in your own life, when did you start to speak your truth? Well, it's kind of a question that could be answered several ways. I think one thing is, when I thought I was speaking the truth, I wasn't quite speaking the truth, but I being a um, ex hip hop artist from, you know, I started with friends in 1991 and uh, worked my way through the nineties. And toward the end of the nineties, I, I figured out how to express my truth through music, mm. but um, it was against like the corporations and against, but it wasn't big picture enough. And I didn't know exactly how, I didn't know exactly the whole truth until 1999 when I met an insider of the system that broke down the real world to me. And that's how I really started speaking the truth because I had backing, I had research behind it. Mm. And then, so I could say from 1999 forward, I've been trying to get this message out and speak the truth, but I've always had a 
um, a wanting to speak the truth. And I'm, I'm, I'm also going to give um, psychedelics credit for that in the late 90s, because that helped me kind of find more of that path to want to know, to see that things are not great on this planet in certain ways. And I was able to express that truth through music. But then once I met that insider in spring of 1999, I have been loaded with this information. And of course, more and more over the years as I researched and became more of who I am. So that's kind of how I started speaking the truth. Right on, man. Right on. So yeah, it sounds like uh, through this uh, underground hip hop career. And by the way, I'm curious, did you go by the name Loomis back when you were a rapper? Did you have a different kind of title for yourself? Uh, no, uh, no, I did not. I, I've been, I, I had another name out sounder before that it was Maskib, And now, and then when I hit my solo career, I started to use that name. So that became the name that I went into as the true speaker that I am today. So I just kept that in the, it's not my real name, but it is, it is, uh, it is, uh, what I've been using since really. Right, right. And yeah. I've been listening to a couple of your episodes. Pretty cool that you have peppered in some awesome raps throughout the episodes. It's really cool that you've blended your your passion and your your talents with this wonderful uh, medium of, you know, being able to speak your truth and share these valuable insights. And I'm curious, when you met this insider and you were having this uh, sort of awakening process, what are some of the things that stood out to you first? Because one thing that you did mention was that there were, you know, some off-putting things about this, this world, but what do you think has guided you most of all to start making this podcast? Well, it, it's kind of a long story, but I'll go through uh, bits and bits of it anyway. The thing that started is I started collecting information. So this guy set me on the path because he started sewing up things that I kind of already knew, but he put it together like, look, this is how the world is compartmentalized. People live in a compartmentalized world. They don't understand what their uppers are telling them. They don't understand that their presidents are selected, not elected. And they also don't understand, you know, the public is blinded. And that set me on fire to realize, hey, I need to tell people that they're living in an illusion. But right. I needed to gain more information. And when 9-11 happened, <clears throat> that's when the trigger really hit me because the guy told me about something big was going to happen once George Bush got in and he didn't, there was no way to know George W. Bush was going to come in. So he knew they wanted to put him in there so they could do this thing. And he mm -hmm. said, you watch. And when nine 11 happened, I was like, this is that thing. So that started me on a path. I found authors like David Icke at the time. Nice. I found um, other people that uh, helped me along the way authors and even um, people that aren't so much related to that information, such as um, such as uh, Graham Hancock and stuff, oh, yeah. but it, all that information started coming to me left and right. So then, if you want to fast forward, I I well, I was living living as a drifter kind of guy until two thousand and two, and then I I had uh, children, so I went from that lifestyle to raising kids, but still collecting this information when I can. And in 2008, I met my second insider just by synchronicity. I met somebody oh, wow. who was, well, my ex said, 
he's into chemtrails just like you. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Uh, so I went over to this guy's house thinking, well, I know a lot about that. I'm going to tell this guy, I'm probably going to be telling this guy a lot more than, mm. than me. Well, it turns out I needed to go take notes. So I came back to his house and took notes because he was the son of a CIA scientist. Ooh, and I'll get into more of that later. But um, he uh, showed me, you know, a lot of things that um, just about that particular, mainly about that particular issue, but other things in the world, he knew everything too. So that was a real eye opener. And by 2008, I realized that, that I was not looking for this information. It came to me. And if right. I did not put it out, I would be living in vain. I would be mm. living against who I should be. So in 2013, after a lot of life events had happened, I, um, you know, split up with my kid's mom, but, uh, it restructured my life. I thought mm. I was going to do music. I thought, well, music is the way to put out the truth, but it was so time consuming. I couldn't do exactly what I wanted to do. And I had some friends in the truth community and they were doing radio. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to make my own radio show. Cause back then they weren't really called podcasts as much as now. It, so that's why I call it chant it down radio. I'm old school, mm. I guess nowadays, but that was, there was so much information piling up and I had nowhere to put it. And so I decided to put it into Shannon down radio. Very cool, man. Very cool. And you brought up a lot of cool ideas that we can get into. There's one thing I do want to circle back to, which is sure. that you, you've brought up David Icke and uh, we've also discussed uh, this, this cool metaphor um, kind of reminds me of Charlie Robinson from macro aggressions. He would call it the, global octopus of control or what david ike would refer to as the cult this large cult this global widespread network of uh the elites and when you talk about presidents like president bush may have been elected but he was really installed and when you think about what's going on today and what you've learned how do you talk to your kids and i'm i'm asking as a high school teacher you know i don't really have these conversations with my students, but I, I am curious, how do you approach these complex issues with uh, people who might be too young to really grasp it fully? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's a hard, so I guess they grew up in the time where I was what I call in the bullhorning stage. Mm. So I was in the time where I got to get this message out and I'm going to tell mm. everybody, I don't care what people think of me. Um, so they got, they knew it from a young age, but they probably were embarrassed of me a bit because I was this guy screaming from the rooftops and most people around them were not, but these ideas are installed in their minds, but I've really backed off from that because I know kids rebel, mm. kids rebel from whatever they're brought into. And so if I'm going to be forcing that on them, they're going to go the very opposite way. Right. So I have they know that they know some of this stuff it's and it's become more obvious since 2020 to really back it up and underline it that it really is going on so i think they'll always gravitate toward that but i want to let them be their own free beings to to come and see that so i've never been one to force it on anybody and i think that you know when i think back in my life about people that tried to force ideas on me I never wanted to do it because mm. it was forced. So it's more about there's a tactic to it that you get past once you get past 
or hopefully never have to get in the bullhorning stage, but some people do, and that's just how they react to it, and it's totally understandable, but I think it's better to let people come to that interesting information that you have, and they'll go, wait, what's this guy about? Because that's what lured me into that first insider, is Mm. he was giving me little tidbits here and there, like, hey, you know, this food, this is total trash, you know what's in it, this, this, and this, and this. I'm like, oh, yeah. And the farmers are supposed to put this in it. And, you know, and so that led me to be like, hmm, what's this guy know? He knows a lot of stuff. Mm. And so that's what I think is better than actually just giving people the raw truth because oh, yeah. a lot of people can't handle it. Absolutely, man. It's a lot to digest. It's a lot to metabolize. And it's, you know, there's a great principle there that, you know, people say this a lot. It's not what you say, but it's how you say it. And on top of that, it's how much you say as well. So Absolutely. we got to give people those bite-sized pieces that they can chew off so that they could learn to integrate them and apply them to their own life. And I'll quickly share, I can definitely relate. Um, my, my parents did not raise me with a particular religious view. So they kind of left me to figure it out on my own. And I'm really grateful for that because that bred a sense of curiosity and an open-minded uh, perspective that allowed me to look at all sorts of angles and not be too attached to one particular idea. And I'm curious, since we're bringing up chemtrails and looking up into the sky and seeing uh, unfamiliar objects, I mean, what was your relationship with spirituality when you were younger? And how has that changed now that you've been learning more and more and more? Well, um, yeah, I was raised in a Christian family, but it was kind of like my mom was pretty pretty big church goer kind of but my dad couldn't have gave a shit really so it was kind of like one of two different worlds um and i take that in i took it in but i never fully liked any of the churches i've never really liked any of the establishments mm-hmm. establishments of society because i somehow i could see through it and maybe that's helped me but um, right. at the same time i um i i think once i had taken psychedelics enough i did go through a pretty heavy phase in my life to where that actually allowed me to um see spirituality for what it really is and it's also made me realize that whatever is in the bible there's truth but there's also truth in pretty much every faith out there Mm. somebody once said and i don't i don't i think it's somebody famous that i can't think of who it is but religion is like an underground river and it comes out in different geysers. You have Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Mm -hmm. and whatever else. And so these are people interpreting the same source. And so I feel that all these people have gotten great, you know, these original religions have gotten great um, spiritual connections, but they've been lost through uh, habitual rituals and just the usual you know they're not really they're just practicing and they're not really like being actually connected so Mm. i guess with all the gloom and doom i've always known that there is a creator out there in my person i'm not afraid to say god but i think you can put whatever name you want to put on it amen because it's looked yeah it's looked after me through some really crazy and hard times and Mm. i know it's there and I know it exists. What it is, is probably beyond anyone's description we can possibly put. So I just know that even if this world totally goes to shit, 
we're um, going to be looked after. I just always know that. So that's kind of what it's done for me. It's actually made me a deeper person by going through this. And I think, I think everybody who does go down this dark rabbit hole should have some kind of spiritual side because if you don't, I could see how you could get wrapped up mm-hmm. in the gloom and doom and every day is going to be, um, you know, and you get extra paranoid. And I don't mm-hmm. think we're supposed to be that way. I don't think we're supposed to be mm-hmm. so paranoid to where we can't, oh, I don't want to go over there. They're, they're, you know, they're eating this kind of food. You know, it becomes you a distraction. Yeah, yeah, we have to live our lives. And mm-hmm. that's something that um, somebody told me I'm lucky to have known the filmmaker michael murphy oh wow um he was a friend of mine he passed but he did the movies what in the world are they spraying and why in the world are they spraying Mm. and one thing he told me is he said hey we have to live our lives we can't just only be these kind of people so Mm. and i think that was important so that helped me too absolutely man yeah it could be it could feel disempowering to learn about chemtrails but then feel like there's nothing we can do about it or learn about the cabal learn about x y and z and there's something i've been uh telling myself a lot as well is that learning about quote-unquote conspiracies or research is a very left brain kind of hobby that i would say is you know i have a lot of fun doing it it's entertaining but it's on the left brain it's research it's logic it's rhetoric on the right side of my brain that's where the spirituality and that connection to god gaia or the matrix in the sky, all that balances each other out. And I always love hearing people say that spirituality leads to conspiracy or vice versa. They balance each other out. So I'm glad we got to touch on that. And speaking of spirituality, I'm curious, this might be a pretty personal question, but I'm going to throw it out there. You can do with it as you wish, but this is a segue into your exploration of Egypt recently. Now, sure. There's a very famous uh, ritual where you would weigh your heart against a feather. Yes. Now, if you imagine yourself going through that process and that ritual, what goes through your head? If you were to just free associate when you're weighing your heart against a feather, what kinds of things weighed you down and what kinds of things helped you lighten up and get more into that flow state of creativity? Yeah. Um, I, what it comes to mind instantly when you say that, I mean, I love that metaphor too. I think it's great. Um, is that all the things that we worry about in this world, I, I, I mean, I've actually done research on this. I did a show on this, but I think 8% actually comes true of all the things we ever worry about and all the things that I was hung up on last week, maybe, maybe not all of them really mattered and probably a lot don't. But I think there are those things that you do have to take care of that do weigh down your heart. And those things need to be tended to because they can lead to ill health. And if you have certain things like regret, Mm. regrets, and sometimes regrets, that's living in the past anyway. We have to live now. A lot of our worries come from the past Mm. and the present or or the future, but we're we're not being... um, we're, we're, we're not being aware of the time we're in. We're just being, we're, we're, we're taking away our awareness of now. And so, um, 
what was the second part of your question? So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're thinking about what weighs you down, you know, that heart on the scale gets weighed down whenever you're pulled out of that present moment. And there's always things like, you know, I'm thinking back to shout out to Chance from the Interverse podcast. Yeah, Vibrant. Chance. Just saw you there recently. And, you know, they, they love talking about the flow state. And I can see why, because that um, practice of finding some kind of activity that puts you in the flow whether you're rapping, whether you're podcasting or hiking on the beach, whatever you want to do, something has got to be done to help ourselves realign with that present moment and get back into that flow state. What has been your experience with that, especially given that you just traveled to a very mystical, magical land in the Middle East? Yeah, well, I can say before we get into Egypt there, um, one, creativity has been the thing that has made me feel like I'm living in present moment awareness. Uh, creativity for me um, was making, well, is making pretty much creating anything, including podcasting, mm -hmm. but uh, maybe back in the day was music and freestyling being completely off the top of the head and rhyming and stuff was a spiritual state for me when I was able to practically channel and it takes a lot of practice and totally mm -hmm. out of practice but when I when when I was not like it was timelessness to experiencing timelessness is where that your light is a feather and in fact when I created my solo album which was made in 2008 but it was a bunch of stuff I had been making since this awakening um I recorded it and every single time I came out of the recording closet, it was 11 after one hour or another. And that showed me that I was on some kind of path. And mm. from that day, from, since I've done that till now, I always see whether it's 12, 11, 11, yeah. 11, or any 11, I see it all the time. So it's, mm. it's put me on a path. So I'm sort of getting off subject, but timelessness mm -hmm. is if you can experience timelessness it is one of the things that throws that tips the scale and your, your weighted heart goes way up and you're yes, happy. Sir. Yeah. Yeah, man. You just reminded me of a great book called uh, stealing fire by the, mm -hmm. uh, the creators of the flow genome project. I believe that would be Jamie wheel, Stephen Kotler. And they, they talk about these uh, qualities of flow, the selflessness and the timelessness. And it's very cool that freestyling, I mean, you've probably heard of the, I believe this is a more of a Greek and Roman term, the daemon, like what Socrates would, would speak about, where the, you, you, you have this inner in, in, in like this inner guide, this inner voice that is tapped into this universal wisdom that can only come out and guide you when it has the right conditions and setting those conditions and becoming aware of those patterns, like seeing that timing and that, that, that pattern of Will you go into the recording studio and you're in there for a certain amount of, of time and it works out perfectly and it nurtures that inner daemon. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's very, it sounds a lot like what Socrates would speak about. It's something I've possibly heard of, but I really don't know a lot about it. So cool. Thanks for that. Absolutely, yeah. man. Yeah. Just, uh, just for, so people know, I'm, I'm not saying demon. It would be like D-A-E-M-O-N, the daemon. Daemon, yeah. yeah. It, it may have some root word character. Uh, you know, so all the words kind of come from the same thing, but it's mm. it has nothing to do with it, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were in Egypt, I mean, did you prepare by learning some of the local phrases? I mean, were you able to speak mostly English? Uh, 
how was your experience when you first landed? Yeah, I don't know any Arabic, really, you know, very little. So my biggest interest there and have been since really in 1999, I've read Graham Hancock's Fingerprints of the Gods, Nice. Um, has been that kind of stuff, that there's a lost ancient civilization that was here before some kind of cataclysm. And to me, that's way more interesting than the actual cultures that exist in these places now. Not to put down Egyptian culture, but I feel like, and I'm pretty positive on this, that all these cultures, whether you're in Egypt or mm-hmm. Peru, or um, which I've been to both, are um, nice. any, any of these other ancient sites, the, the culture that is there now found these sites, and they used them for their own cultural practices mm-hmm. and purposes. So when I went to Egypt, I went with that in mind the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I don't have, I don't watch much TV, but one guilty pleasure I do have watching at least the older episodes is Ancient Aliens because oh, nice. they did go over these things. And, you know, there's a lot of truth in that show. You know, there's some stuff that's hogwash probably too, but most of it is is um, showing you these sites and, and giving you an idea. So when I went to Egypt, that's what I went into in mind more than the culture, although I love being able to experience another culture, right. try the food. And, you know, um, I mean, I live in Hawaii, so going to Egypt is about as culture shocking as it pretty much oh, can get. Yeah, 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 so different. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool, um, man. Yeah. I mean, the uh, thing that comes up is the the fact that, you know, you brought up the modern Egyptian culture, which is one part of this story. But the the part that you seem to be most interested in, and I, sh- I share this uh, interest with you, is the fact that the modern day civilization that we've come to know and learn about has almost woken up and found these things. They did not create them, but they stumbled upon them and whether you look at Machu Picchu in Peru like you mentioned or any of the Aztec ruins or these uh these ancient ancient sites Gobekli Tepe it's it seems like the story that we've been given about these places and about how they were built particularly as well are very far off from uh what would be rational um how have you approached that once you were face to face with say the Giza plateau or the, or the Sphinx. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just realized that the, the narrative, the mainstream narrative of academics is, has steered us away from our true story on planet earth, Mm -hmm. you know, because you look at these sites, whether it's standing at the base of the great pyramid and looking up and it's as tall as 400 some feet and realizing that these blocks, some of them we couldn't move with cranes today, and that they've been stacked in the, the Great Pyramid's not just six-sided, it's eight-sided. Mm. And you can only see that from the air. And the strategic uh, placement of all these blocks is unbelievable. And to realize, to actually, you have to go to these sites, I feel like, to really appreciate and really experience them. Yeah, You can watch as all the episodes of ancient aliens or, or whatever. Uh, but the going to these places is, is mind blowing. And to see, you know, to think that these things were built at a time when they only had copper chisels mm. to, and most of these stones, 
they weren't they weren't uh, quarried where they built. They moved these stones from like you know six hundred miles away. Somehow. Some of these stones in in Aswan, which is a, toward the Sudan border, mm. they moved these stones all the way to Giza just to build. Why there? So it was the placement. These people had knowledge. It wasn't primitive peoples Mm-mm. that uh, you know just decided. Yeah, let's put our pharaoh in here. No, they found these places, and including the, the Valley of the Kings and the Queens, where the um, the tombs are. I don't believe that the Egyptians would have had the technology to bore these these perfect uh, holes into the mountain like that with mm-hmm. what they they say they had. So that's just one example of it. And one of the things that I came up with when I well not came up with but what I've noticed there is the tour guides and the people that I talk to about any alternative uh ideas they don't connect the bigger really? world picture wow. they don't connect that yeah also Machu Picchu has these anomalies Sacsay Hoaman yeah. has these anomalies and we're state we're this is not a, this t- type of construction is not just only specific to Egypt, mm. but they don't want to go there. They don't want to think of this bigger world. They want to just be here. And that's because they were programmed to be there by the school system. They went through it and that's how they uh, perceive this reality. So when uh, people like us and anyone who's listening awaken from this sort of, uh, you know, slumber of, of mainstream history, you start to think about things like, well, the Egyptians could have been and most pretty sure they were a very advanced seafaring civilization. And I'm always curious about the Washington Monument, this massive obelisk and how, well, there's a story that it was delivered and uh, gifted to the U.S. But there's the other story that that obelisk, that monument was here all along and it was something that was uncovered or it was something that was repurposed for the american culture and where do you see these other parallels of say egyptian culture or the uh the pyramids that are widespread throughout nearly every continent how do they all relate to you and your personal worldview well i think we're looking at this older culture before a major earth cataclysm that um had maybe a worldwide culture, I'm pretty sure, because of the pyramid structures, not only above land and underwater, Antarctica, possibly on Mars. Um, You know, I possibly found a pyramid here on this Mm -hmm. island. I'm going to be doing a video on it soon and exploring it as I make the video to see if it's actually a pyramid or not. But that's sidetracked there. I see a world that had a had a knowledge a very not big knowledge of some kind of high technology mm. that we don't know about possibly off-world possibly alien but more likely humans that were given this knowledge was something off-world that's kind of what i think but who knows there's many interpretations but these obelisks like you're talking about i think they were energy devices mm. i think that these things were used as um some kind of delivering of energy because the the uh, obelisks I saw in Karnak in Egypt were giant pieces of stone that mm. had to have been part of this, excuse me, <clears throat> earlier culture. And um, so the carvings came later. These were for design. And that's why you see them all over the world. So 
whatever happened on this earth, some kind of ancient cataclysm, Mm. there were some people that were from this ancient knowledge that kept that knowledge, these elites that use it today for stuff we don't even know about, their own spirituality. And whatever happened on this earth is pretty interesting, but I think it was more of a solar system event. Because if you look Mm. at our planets and our solar system, um, I mean, Saturn's on its side. Um, I think Neptune or Uranus, I can never say that, right? Uranus, Uranus, Uranus yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, right, is on its side, and without laughing anyway. And mm. um, um, I think Venus spins backwards. Mm. Our Earth's at a tilt. Right. What, and, and our moon is, is an, an anomaly of its own. Oh, yeah. Um, so you have to look into these ancient, I think these ancient stories whether you get into the sumerian tablets or you get into a lot of different indigenous uh cultures they're all kind of telling the same story but they mix their culture within it and what they were interested in mm. so they mix you know different types of things so the people there um understood it but if you wipe that away what you'll see is pretty much the same story um the cataclysm that happened here on earth was i think recorded as a flood in at least 300 cultures oh yeah Uh, but we also have some kind of sun scorching that happened Mm -hmm. something happened to this planet now i had recently on and i'm I'm not going to steal his information but just give him props um i had uh i had brian forrester who's Mm -hmm. famous for the elongated skulls and he was talking about at karnak in egypt what's supposed to be north south east and west has tilted 23 degrees so that means that that was possibly built before the earth tilted so the earth Mm. may have been straight up and down because that's how a planet should be straight up on its axis but whatever happened to this planet i mean i don't know we can take stabs but there's and guesses but there is stuff that goes in i like the the zulu um uh, the zulu uh legend of wawani and maponku these two brothers and they they hollowed out the moon. They brought it here, which caused major cataclysms. Mm. They possibly had scaly skin, but they, if you connect the two brothers with that, you can connect that to a few other cultures, including the Sumerians, the Anki and Enlil story. So, so some story went around the world, and it was told in various forms about people that came here, possibly even on the moon. Even if that sounds like kind of far out there, probably not to your audience. Anything's possible. You know, exactly. So something happened to this planet. These people that survived that were of this original culture passed on the torch of this knowledge and kept it from humanity. And that's, of course, not very original. A lot of people talk about that. But it's just true that there is something that has happened to this planet and our version of history. And I think it's really important for everybody to really relook at this and examine it. Cause if we don't know where we're from, what this planet's been through, then we're lost. Our coordinates are off. And that's why we have the fallen world that we have today. Cause we're confused. Yes, sir. I mean, I can think of the image of like an internal compass. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, pirates of the Caribbean, but like captain Jack Sparrow has this compass and it always points to where wherever he needs to go or whatever his heart most desires. And mm-hmm. when we're disconnected from this innate in, in, intelligence about our our home and our history, it does seem to it seems to fuck with us a little bit. And I'm curious too, 
we can circle back to David Icke in this global cabal, because when you think about figures like Nikola Tesla, who seem to have rediscovered this ancient tech and were trying to harness this possibly free energy device that was available to this ancient culture, he it seemed like he was uh, suppressed and probably executed. He was uh, he was schwacked, as John McAfee would say. You know, he was he was <laughs> taken out. It wasn't good for uh, business, and that's something. You know, when you say a lot of people have talked about this, it's like yes. I mean, it's my favorite conversation because when you learn about history and when you learn about how many lies may have been spread, it completely changes the way that we can look at these structures not only the physical buildings, but the governments and the religions that have been built around them, especially because they were not the original creators. They were only the people who moved in after the last cataclysm or the eviction from the last flood, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, David Icke definitely is, is a, I, I think he's a spot on researcher. Some people like, Oh, he's, he's a controlled opposition. I really don't think so. Uh, but that's me. I he helped me a lot and yeah, he if, seems if genuine. He, I think so. I've actually met him at one of his talks. Oh, right he came on, here. Yeah. yeah, and uh briefly. And I know he was really tired because he did a twelve hours uh seminar here. So Damn. but you know, he's a hard worker and um he's been around this whole time. And I think if somebody was a real shill, we would kind of know about it by now. Mm-hmm. The time would tell us that yeah, this person wasn't so right. You know, so, but anyway, he's helped me a lot and I forgot where I was going to go. Well, the thing about David Icke too, like I, so I recently read his new book. I think it's called The Trigger. It was published like, you know, he talks about COVID. It's like a very recent book. And, you know, I've read his, his other books. I've been like a quote unquote fan, like definitely like love hearing what he has to say about what's been going on, especially in this modern time. But the thing about David Icke, if there's any skeptics and, you know, I'm not paid by I- Iconic or anything, I'm just saying this as a guy who loves to do research, you can read his books and Google everything that he's saying. And yeah. this could be sort of true for Alex Jones as well. You know, my friends, my friends and family probably hate me saying this because I'm from Newtown, Connecticut. But the fact is, if you fact check these people and don't just write them off right away, you might learn something. I'm not saying that 100% is true, but you might find that 80% of truth amid the 20% of fluff. And I think David Icke definitely does his due diligence. And another uh, topic that obviously would come up here is Tartaria. And I remember um, there were a couple ideas about Tartaria that when I first heard it, I was like, all right, well, I've seen I've seen these massive doors that no human would ever practically need to build. And I had synchronistically started learning about Magellan and his travels and his in in like Magellan running into giants in the South American region. It seemed like, okay, that was probably a myth or a folk tale. But once you start looking at these buildings with these massive doors and these massive archways, you're like, okay, I could see how maybe our idea of what a human being is or what these other uh, hominid life forms were could be totally different than what I've been led to believe. What do you think? I think so. Um, I think you're right. I think there was, well, I mean, I think there was giants back in these ancient Egyptian days too, because of, I went to the Serapium, which has these giant coffins. They were supposed to be for the Apis bowls. Mm. They never found any skeletons of bowls in these, 
giant. And, you know, our machines couldn't build these today. And the doorways at a lot of these pal- these places I've been to are huge. They're, they're not just like, and, and I wonder why. And then you get to see the statues. Like I saw the um, Colossi of Memnon. These are statues that are, I don't know, 40 feet, one block of, block of, um, of stone carved into a giant person sitting on a throne, two giants. And then there's a little person next to him. Right. And you, you got to wonder if these people were big and the Smithsonian and a lot of these places hid these giant skeletons. You've heard of giants. Native Americans have legends of giant people. Yep. The Mormons. Lovelock Cave. Lovelock Cave is where they supposedly burned some giants or suffocated them with smoke inside of a cave. And there's mm. really burn marks in there. The body, the bones aren't in there or anything, but still we have, um, it looks like possibly a whole other set of history with a set of different humans, mm-hmm. excuse me. And as well as Brian Forster bringing him up again about these elongated skulls. I mean, I believe we may live in a populated universe and there mm-hmm. may be a lot of hybrids of mm-hmm. humans and they're all humanoid people, but they're definitely not the humans we have around today. Yeah. So I'm thinking that, and as far as Tartaria, I, I feel like we're looking at possibly the Roman empire that conquered way before we thought, because oh, yeah. it's pretty much their architecture that is just spread out. And a lot of it did actually originate from Egypt. They just sort of kind of took their own twist on it. Yeah. makes sense. Makes sense. So there's an, there's an interesting idea there that, well, if there was this seafaring civilization that was spread out all the way back to ancient Rome and probably further back than we can imagine, then when we refer to events like the Big Bang or the flood or the cataclysm, this massive solar ejection, I mean, do you feel like astrotheology plays a role? Because you did bring up the Apis Bowl, and there is, uh, you know, I just recently read a uh, book by Micah Dank. He has a really cool fiction series into the Rabbit Hole series. He talks a lot about this move into the age of Aquarius. Have you ever thought about the? astrotheological line of thinking and do, do you have any thoughts about the quote-unquote age of aquarius hmm. i i've thought about it i don't know a lot about it so i can't really speak to it all i mean it it, it appears that like the bible has a lot of astrotheology in it mm-hmm. it appears that um it, well if you look back at any of our ancient cultures on this earth, they were obviously, uh, they were obviously enthralled with the, the stars and the placement of planets and stars. Mm. I mean, I live in Hawaii. We have some stones in the middle of this Island called the Kukani local birthing stones. They're connected to the Pallades system. Mm. And so you have to think that it's always been part of our society. So astrotheology does weave in to every probably every civilization i mean look at stonehenge was another example of that um people wanted to know what happens in the sky and then they use that too in their religions i think too and Mm. i think some of the elites are all about that kind of stuff as well but not to say it's bad astrotheology Mm. is what it is it's it's not good or bad i don't know i don't i can't speak a lot on it 
because I really haven't gone there that much, but I can tell that it's woven into our society. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, when you bring up stone, Stonehenge and these other structures, even the pyramids themselves, they're built with this astronomical alignment. And it makes me think of a couple things. I'm going to throw a couple ideas out there and I'd love to hear what you can do with them. So there's a, you know, there's a very popular uh, story about the Anunnaki. There's also Graham Hancock talking about the serpent mounds in Ohio from his other book, uh, America Before. And it makes me think a lot about, again, this widespread, vast seafaring civilization that had this understanding of astronomy and how to build structures that lined up with, say, uh, solar events like the equinox or things of that nature. Um, have you ever visited other sites like that um, beyond Egypt, beyond Peru? Where else have you been interested in traveling to or where have you been that you feel is worth noting? Yeah, um, I have been, I, well, I've been to multiple sites in Peru mm. and Machu Picchu is an example of that because there's a certain, there's two buildings. There's one that uh, it lines up with the, the summer solstice and sun shines through a window mm -hmm. that was made of this older stone, this megalithic stone, and it shines right into a certain rock. And the sun also happens to dip in this other part in the winter solstice and goes right into another window. They knew wow. this stuff, you know, yeah. so that's pretty cool in itself. Um, I have visited See, my plan is to visit more and more of these places if I can. Right on. I, I just, you know, I don't have a lot of money. And then, of course, then the, the latest thing in the world is this arm spear. We got to people, the thing we don't want to get, right? Well, yeah. I'm not going to get it. So, but Me it looks either. like that's fading away mm -hmm. so that there is possibility. And I, that's one reason I went to Egypt, too, because they didn't give a shit about it. So, yeah, I'm, nice. I'm, I'm in, nice. you know. But I, I plan to go to Easter Island because oh, cool. talking about seafaring cultures, I'm well-versed in the Polynesian cultures because I live out here in the Polynesian Triangle, which Hawaii on the top, New Zealand on the left corner, Easter Island on the right corner. Mm. These people all found these totally isolated islands, Hawaii being the most isolated island mm. chain in the world. People found these places um, with, they say, you know, maps of the stars, celestial mm. navigation. So again, that comes in mind. But there was probably a vast seafaring culture, like you're saying, that went all over. Because they say the Polynesians came from Taiwan. It's possible that they, they may have worked their way down. Mm -hmm. We don't know. But that's just the Polynesians. I think the Egyptians were sea seafaring as well as the Sumerians. They were seafaring. In fact, the first civilization on Earth was seafaring. So there's something going on with that that I don't know all the answers to but we i mean we even have sunken underwater you know uh, there's one in japan i can't think of the name yeah and there's an underwater pyramid off the coast of chile i believe or, yeah, uh, yeah yeah is there chile yeah and somewhere in south america it might be argentina chile it's uh i gotta look that up later but uh, yeah it's fascinating and you know i gotta give credit to uh robert seffer on uh youtube you know, the world's most dangerous anthropologist. He, he talks about Chinese pyramids and the fact that, yeah. uh, you know, the CCP covered up these pyramids. I think they planted a bunch of grass over them yes, so did. that no yeah. one would recognize them. I mean, what do you think yeah. about that? Like, what? Because that that is a, a bridge between this global cabal and the fact that there's this ancient story 
that perhaps the elite would want to hide from average Joes like you and I? I mean, what do you think is going on there? I, I think they are trying to hide our origins again. And that, that obviously they don't teach it in school. So they're trying to hide. They're trying to hide a connection between all of these different places in the world. Um, and by hiding it, by taking away, possibly it's us not being able to, uh, to be able to um, get our power back. Mm. Like possibly these pyramids may activate our DNA strands that are unactivated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I'm just taking a stab at that, but I'm saying that it certainly could link us to a higher uh, power and energy source that they don't want us to know about. Um, also ley lines on the earth. I yeah. think that they, they are all connected to these ley lines and they don't want us to know about that. Um, you know, I'm actually surprised mentioning ancient aliens again, that even that show was able to come out, but um, I'm sure that they, they try to make it kooky enough so people go, mm. oh, yeah, yeah, that's just It's that. become a whole internet yeah. meme for like yeah, that right. zany kind of conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Right. And they got Giorgio with his funny hair and all that. But, you know, it's still it's still telling you at least 80 percent of the truth, if not more. And so but before that, this there was nothing telling you any of this other than if you read Graham Hancock or if you read brian forrester or any of these other people that are you know uncovering this stuff so there's definitely an ulterior motive to to hide our ancient past Mm. you know and they don't even teach sumeria ancient sumeria in school the oldest civilization is that we know of is sumeria of course and Mm. it came out of nowhere and the oldest city on earth is eridu and all it is is a mound of sand and kids and piraters go there or people go there and steal artifacts and sell them online it's mm. like wouldn't we want to protect the first city on earth yeah we don't you know and so that shows me the respect that they have for these places as well as during the iraq war when soldiers right. went in and stole all these that's these, the uh, first thing that they did allegedly yeah. was they took all these artifacts away from these museums so, so they don't want us to know about this so then what do they want us to know about? Well, they want us to know about, of course, everything that comes on that brainwash device in your living room mm. or the screen you have in your hand. But I do feel like they are setting up humanity for some kind of deception of our ancient past that could deceive even a lot of people that mm. we may even think that know the truth, possibly. And there's a possibility that they'll stage some kind of, um, you know, like, false alien invasion and that would probably come through this a tip thing they're talking about i don't trust it oh man me too i'm thankful i got the religious exemption like i said i work in a high school so it's pretty much the norm there to go along with the new thing oh, yeah. and uh, yeah i'm very thankful that that was an opportunity that i had because not not everyone had that some people were kicked out and you know they they can just easily replace them like a a lot of nurses went through that but anyways yeah the the modern tech i mean if you look at the television like you mentioned if you watch cable tv the advertisements are typically things that are not good for you and that those are what are being pushed most of all not to mention the whole brought to you by pfizer conundrum that is uh Mm -hmm. very fascinating to think about and additionally when we talk about education which obviously is a topic that i'm very passionate about we have so i graduated high school in 2013 and i was taught that 
BS story about the Bering Land Strait where the people walked across and then they populated the Americas slowly and surely north to south. And that's how it all began. And recently, there's this other narrative which is becoming mainstream about uh, perhaps the Vikings traveling up these northern canals through the great the great lakes regions have you ever heard about this or do you have any thoughts about that northern region in the usa i don't know a lot about that region i've never been there but um i guess are you talking about like eric the red and and could be some of yeah. those people yep and there's mm-hmm. uh the like i mentioned the serpent mound earlier which has oh, that yeah. astronomical yeah. alignment i believe it's the summer and the winter solstice or like one of those um yeah, it's incredible. And now it's, uh, I believe there's, it almost looks like there's a golf course built around it to kind of hide it. So it's, there, it's still there. There's still this, uh, you know, according to Graham Hancock and the bit I could get from that, that text, there is a sign there with, you know, indicating that this ancient monument is standing, but it is almost like it's being hidden and it's not, um, it's not shown in its, in its true glory because that would, uh, that would raise a lot of questions for sure. Um, yeah. So yeah. when you're uh, w- when you're looking into uh, the perhaps a pyramid in Hawaii, you know, I'm going to let you save that for your episode. I'm really I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that. But what other projects are you uh, looking to dive into? I mean, this pyramid that in your local area will probably occupy a lot of your your time and energy, but what else um, do you feel passionate about that you want to dive into later when you have more time and availability? Well, I took a lot of footage in Egypt. So mm. my plan is to make a documentary about Egypt and our ancient past. And it will be, you know, within, you know, not, not high budget or anything. I'm just going to do it myself. But you can do a lot nowadays with just programs. So oh, yeah. I'm not too worried about that. Uh, I'm going to, so I have a a YouTube channel called truth filled trajectory. Mm. And that is my, I I plan on making it an additional show, but I really just don't have time for it. Video Mm. takes a lot longer than doing audio like this, or, you know, like making something and editing. So I do videos on there and you people should check it out, but that's where I'm going to be making the video about this next this pyramid and my Egyptian video. And, you know, when I have time, I do make videos for Truth Filled Trajectory, and that's where I put some energy to. I just really been lately, I'm just focusing on the podcast as much as I can. So I'm like, kind of like, well, okay, I'll do that when I can. But I'm hoping to get this documentary out, hopefully by summer, because I've done most of the shooting. It's the editing that takes me forever. Yeah, a lot of tweaks, a lot of tweaks. Mm -hmm. and. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago um, and it's impressive and I'm, I'm inspired by this for sure, man. Like how many years have you been podcasting? It's been over a decade, right? No, nine years, nine years, nine so years. Almost a whole um, decade. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I should have started my podcast probably years earlier, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I didn't have the too. time. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you should have too. But you know, it's just like the time that we have in our lives and it's like, could I've had time? No, but I could have definitely done it had I had the time. Um, I was friends with people in the truth community back then. Mm. That So I was on some of their shows, um, nice. mainly my friend Bob Tuscan, who's probably not a big name in the scene now because he kind of does his own thing. But shout out to Bob Tuscan. He's an old school truth speaker. He had a radio show. He had a 
podcast on Oracle Broadcasting for many years. Mm. And um, he was just a, a great way of promoting health and, and lots of c- consciousness. And he was friends with Freeman, which you may have heard of Freeman before, Mark mm. Passio. And that's oh, where yeah. all these guys kind of came out of in the Free Your Mind conference. Uh, so um, those that sort of uh, group inspired me even more. Like, well, okay, I have all this info. I need to do a podcast. And so 2013 was the year I could finally focus on it and do it. And although I only have 197 episodes out of nine years, it's me doing it when I can do it. So, yeah, man. you know, it's like you, you work a full-time job, me too. And I, so I don't have all the time in the world to work on it, but it's been a steady thing I've been doing for years. And just now this year, I'm taking it further by getting on people's shows more and going to go live stream and going to, you know, make it to more what it needs to be. But I do encourage people to go and check out the archives because the archives have a lot of stuff that matters now. You know, the relevance is still here with a lot of it. So, right on, man. And since you brought up the archives, I would love to to ask you this. Um, you said about 197 episodes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when you look back, that's that's quite a lot. You're gonna hit the big two zero zero soon. And mm-hmm. when you look back, I mean, I I know this is a very tough question, but I would love I would love to hear you uh, ponder on you know, what, which of these episodes stand out to you? Like when you think back to your milestones, like for example, your, your children may one day listen to your podcast and learn all about their father in a totally different way because you're out there speaking your, your truth, sharing this information that you've been, um, you know, it's not really a burden. It's more of a blessing, right? It's which, uh, which of these experiences of these episodes would you want to guide people towards? Like which ones stand out to you personally? Yeah, it's, it's it's a difficult question to ask or answer, but um, what stands out to me first is I had, so I was doing, it, it was kind of going to become a show with my friends in the very mm. beginning. If you listen to a few of my first episodes, I had these friends and that's where we came up with the theme, chant it down, mm. because that's something we would say around each other. Like, yeah, that guy, he doesn't chant it down. He doesn't, he doesn't chant down the system. And so it became this thing we said. And I was like, well, I'm going to make Chan It Down Radio and you guys mm. should come on. But lining up things with friends that aren't as serious or just, mm. you know, it, so it didn't work out. So by the 15th episode, I'm like, okay, so I need to break down what this is all about. And for years, I've been saying the system. Well, what is the system? The system, really. The system is just this word I'm using. So what I made is a series of shows for beginners mainly, but really it's good for everyone even good review Mm. the system tentacles because Uh what i thought of is it's kind of like a beast that has all these different arms Mm. and tentacles attached to us that um people don't realize are attached to them and their belief systems and etc so i mean there's 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 a lot of them but um just to use it as example the media was the first one that i touched on on episode 15 of the show Mm. So I stood, I really found a purpose with the show right about then. And I started to break down what this world's about. And, and it went all the way up to the end system tentacle, which is civilization itself, which a lot mm-hmm. of people don't look at. And why I looked at that is because 
I don't think humans would have come up with civilization on its on their own. I don't think we would have built this world the way it is on our own. We wouldn't have come up with such a cold-hearted, uh, inhumane system, a way of life, and disconnected from nature on our own. So that we're chanting down the civilization itself at the very end. So I go from the basics and work our way up you know, to more complicated subject matter, like people not needing government, not right. needing um, politics and all that, and all the way to civilization. Mm. So if someone were to go through that series of shows, that's kind of a newcomer to uh, the truth and whatnot, they really kind of have a clearer idea of who they are without the system. So that was my idea in the very beginning. Um, so those shows stand out to me a lot. But what I do on this show, on my show, is um, I do mini series. So I'll come back to a topic and I'll do a part two or three. Mm. And it can be confusing. I get people write me like, well, hey, where's part five? Well, you got to go to the website under series of shows and then you can see them all in order. So it's not so confusing. But for example, when I started the media series or when I talked about the media, I was like, well, there's not enough said in one one. Uh, Oh, episodes. So I went back and did an entire mini series of shows called Tell Live Vision Visions. And that oh, is nice. actually, um, I don't know, I'm like at part 18 now, but that's how my show works. So sometimes you'll find a random episode and it mm-hmm. says in parentheses, part seven of this or that. That's just me coming back to the subject too. Right on, man. Yeah. The, uh, the, the tentacles is very profound. I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, Marvel movies. You know, a lot of people kind of refer yeah. to them as like a psyop. But yeah, the uh, the Hydra entity being almost this extension of the third, well, the Nazi party, the Fourth Reich, I could say, this Operation Paperclip global network that has their tentacles in every industry, you know, all the way into what civilization is in and of itself. Uh, to the pharmaceutical industry, to the food industry, to the education industry, all these different heads of the hydra, you chop off one and another one can grow back. It's, it seems to be indestructible, uh, but that's kind of a disempowering way to look at it. So when you look at this, it might seem like a disaster in 2022, but there's plenty to be hopeful about. How do you stay optimistic given what you've learned and what you've been learning? Yeah. It, it well ask me on a on a day of discouragement i might not have the same yeah, answers as a day those, of encouragement those, you know yeah. i've been through a lot myself in the last couple of years where i'm like oh i didn't know that humanity would react this bad mm. but um how i say optimistic is i am seeing that this red pilled a lot more people like you know you got a lot of great sh- for example i'm seeing like you shows like yourself you. and a lot of people that are um probably younger than me a little bit at least are coming out with shows and i never expected all that so i'm not a big barometer of this like someone like david ike would be mm. but i'm seeing a wake up on many levels and it makes me realize that there's a, a, actually a pretty good resistance against this But I also feel like that's just the physical side of it. Mm -hmm. I think we have to go to the spiritual side again, because if we don't, we kind of get caught up in the nuts and bolts. And that's where, 
you know, someone might come in handy like Alex Jones, mm-hmm. although I don't really watch his show. I, I have no disrespect to the guy, but that's just not what I want to take into. him in small doses. These yeah, days. yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I was telling somebody the other day, if you had a gauge, let's say it was a clock, nine mm-hmm. and three, mm-hmm. nine being the ma- mainstream media and three being the extreme alternative media, I mm-hmm. put mine about one o'clock there it's because pretty good pace. It's pretty more healthy. It's yeah. more healthy because if you think that every day something her- terrible is going to happen, that's no way to live, you know? Yeah. So, and, and a lot of this stuff doesn't always come out as the truth. So I think we need to be vigilant on both sides. Um, well, the mainstream media is obviously a lie, but there, there is times where it's like, I've felt betrayed a little bit by the alternative media on what they're trying to say out there. So um, I think it's good to kind of keep, ourselves within reason and realize that these elites don't actually have as big of a grasp on this as we kind of think they do. I think that humanity does have more power. And and I do feel like humanity does have the option to know who they are and come into their power. And if we if we can, and maybe this age of Aquarius is real, mm. but I don't put too much stock in that everyone's just going to magically wake up but i do feel like the um as somebody else says uh, i think that the uh elites are not frequency specific they are not here to stay there they can't handle the changes that will come in through the better enlightenment that it's going to happen to humanity eventually they're not frequency specific so that's what gets me hopeful but then again every day you could ask me tomorrow and i might go "Eh, i don't know you know but i try and and i think it's just good to enjoy your life every day Mm -hmm. too if you don't enjoy your life and you don't enjoy what you're doing then i think you need to make drastic changes and i did this a long time ago this is how i met the original insider I quit the entire system. Mm. I did my own thing. I started doing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Even if that made me homeless and living on the beach in a tent, I was doing what I wanted to do and I wasn't afraid. And I think that is one way to really just jump off and do what life can still continue on. Even if you make great sacrifices like that, of course you can't do that if you have kids and stuff. I mean, you shouldn't, but you know, you have to always enjoy your life because if you don't enjoy what you do and every day, then you're, you are going to be miserable. And if you have to move somewhere to make yourself happier, maybe that helps, you know, and mm. whatever you do to align yourself with the truth. Right on, my friend, right on. That's a really cool message to send. And it reminds me, if you have a little more time, I'd love to get into a little ayahuasca story that I've been hearing sure. about. Sure, yeah. okay. So there's, uh, you know, I've had my own personal experience. Maybe I'll share them one day, but I will say this, when I was preparing for my experience, there was a YouTuber, um, he was more of a public speaker, but he would speak about ayahuasca at these retreat centers down in Peru and Brazil. And he would share this experience where if we're talking about being hopeful, but also paying attention to what's going on, there's a great allegory here where when he would drink ayahuasca, he would as usual, as most people do, they would see this um, anaconda or this snake, this serpent, this wise being who would offer to teach him all these things after putting him through this absolute hell to have him purge out all this darkness. 
Now, this serpent had a lot to teach this individual, and he was getting a lot out of it, but he would come out of it feeling a little, little drained, which is not what his goal was. So at one point, he was talking to the shaman and trying to figure out how to navigate this psychedelic landscape. And the shaman said, well, it's that classic story of whichever wolf you feed will be the one that comes out stronger. So next time he dove into that ayahuasca space, sat in ceremony, he saw two distinct paths. The serpents over here were inviting him to learn and gain more wisdom and knowledge. And then there was this other side full of light and fun and laughter. And it's good to experience both. But at a certain point, you, you have to choose which path you're going to spend more time in. And he, he chose to leave behind those serpents and spend more time in that lighter realm. And that seems to be a good way to summarize the wisdom that you've just shared. And I'm curious, when you reflect back again on those formative psychedelic experiences and the fact that when the conquistadors ran through South America, they targeted the shamans first to eradicate that kind of culture. Where do you see this uh, spiritual psychedelic culture now in the modern day when gringos like me can go and fly down to a certain area to drink ayahuasca? Like, what do you think about all that? Oh, I, I think it's the, I think it's the good thing about the world being connected. Mm. Um, there's the bad thing about the world being connected that, um, that, you know, the elites have, you know, they, they have everybody under surveillance, but the good thing about is we, we have access to all the world's information and we're able to go and do something like that and how transformative that is for anybody. I know many people who had issues that have taken ayahuasca or other substances that caught them up in, on years of therapy. Mm. Um, one one public figure you may have heard of before or may not is the ex world champion bodybuilder, Dorian Yates. Yes. I've heard him. I think on Aubrey Marcus podcast, maybe Joe Rogan as well. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's talking yeah. About that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, he was a guy who came out of kind of rough circumstances and made himself a bodybuilder, like freak of nature, huge guy. Right. But that was him you know, trying to probably go through his sort out his problems and mm. whatever. But, you know, and a lot of people would say, well, that would be some kind of meathead. But <laughs> what he's done in his life is transformed himself into this very conscious person by taking ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to him talk, this guy's like just as fun to listen to as anybody in the alternative media. I invited him on. I haven't got her back from him, but it'd be cool to even talk to him. But where I'm going with that is like somebody could like him come from a background like that and go into doing a psychedelic that can totally change your chemistry in your body mm. almost always for the better mm -hmm. you know i i think almost always and in fact i don't know any unsuccess stories other than people that have taken too much lsd on the streets and yeah or the set and setting is off yeah but no, yeah, I yeah totally am right totally with you and you know i am reminded huh I think when you were on the Vibrant with with uh, Chance, you were probably yeah. with Gabe Slick Dissident, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so I got to yeah. share this. I'm really excited and shout out to you, Gabe. Uh, yeah. Please go follow Slick Dissident on YouTube. He's a mastermind. And what Gabe oh, cool. was telling me was, well, I've been into Dante's Inferno quite a lot and I've been reading through it and I'm going to dive into the Purgatorio and the Paradiso soon. 
But Gabe, you know, he's a master of these language, these uh, Twilight language um, insights. And he was telling me, well, you could think about Dante's Inferno as a shamanic journey. I'm like, yeah, well, it's very psychedelic. And he's like, but think about this. First, you go through the Inferno. You see your shadow. You're face to face with that hellfire. And then comes the purge, the purgatorio. You have to get rid of all those demons and climb this long, steep mountain of purgatory or the purgatory. And then you reach paradise. And that's the process. Even a quote unquote meat, a meat head athlete like Dorian Yates or, you know, there's Kyle Kinsbear is all these people who doesn't matter who you are. And I wouldn't recommend psychedelics to anyone, but if you feel called to do that or any kind of spiritual journeying, whether that's meditation, it could transform your entire nervous system, your entire worldview, and it could help you connect with something way beyond your own ego. And I'm glad that you've shared some of those experiences with us today, because it could be very inspiring. I know before I had ever tried any of these substances or these practices like meditation, I was very inspired to hear other people's success stories. And and I'm curious, you know, we're going to wrap up soon. I have a couple more questions for you. One would be these days when there's a lot of people in the truth community speaking up, speaking out, as David Icke says, waking up uh, the sheeple. Who do you look up to these days? Who are some of your inspirations or influences that you could recommend to other people? Well, I don't really have as many inspirations as I did when I first came into this Mm. um, because I sort of have taken what I needed and kind of moved into now. Um, But uh, I would say what started me before even this was Bruce Lee. Oh, Bruce yeah. Lee is one of my mentors as even a kid I love martial arts I never had a chance to really fulfill that calling but I try and um, anyway he started kind of a good foundation for my mind I looked up to Bruce Lee mm-hmm. Terrence McKenna oh, yeah. is somebody that I also read a lot of and I still love listening to him talk too culture is not your friend yep. oh yeah culture is oh, oh, oops. Culture is not your friend. Nice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the leprechaun himself. <laughs> I know, right? And so um, let's see. David Icke is definitely one mm. of those people, I have to say. But some smaller shout outs I would like to give to people that I did look up that helped furnish my perspective around the 2008, 2009 period was Freeman. Mm. and if you freeman fly is still today doing podcasts and he's the one who started the corporate logos deep inside of the things mm. and mark passio mark passio with all of his knowledge of the occult that those guys i definitely still hold in high regard um but as of today in my life i don't know if i so much have any influences anymore but those people helped me along the journey. Another person that I've had on the show is Max Egan. He served Mm -hmm. a very important time period in my life of helping other people actually wake up to his movies that he made back in the day. So Mm -hmm. some of those people helped me with that. And now I'm just sort of in a new period of life where I don't know if I have as many influences, but I'm enjoying reaching out to people like yourself and reaching out to the truth community and also just continuing to create uh, material for people to listen to. 
Right on, Loomis. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to connect with you. And the final question for you is this. And just want to add, you know, a little bit of a preface because what I do feel is that this episode in particular has had a really awesome theme of gratitude. Like we could definitely dwell on the dark side of modern culture, modern society. You know, Terrence McKenna said it best that culture is not our friend. Yet we have the internet, we have access to the Akashic in some way. And it's really cool to look back with some, with some gratitude on what we've been learning in these last couple of years, especially since 2013 for you. So when you look back, you can go back as far as you want, whether it's you as a kid, you yesterday, you a decade ago, whatever. When you look back, if you could give your past self any kind of message, any kind of guidance or wisdom to help them move along on the right path, what would you offer to your past self? Yeah, um, I would offer to my past self, um, I would say, well, (laughs) there's a lot of things I could say, but I could say, don't waste your time with fleeting pleasures and Mm. things that are paths to nowhere, hanging out with people that are going nowhere. I grew up in semi-ghetto conditions, in fact, you know, and a lot of people around me are not either with us anymore or not doing too well. And so I was lucky to be able to be guided somehow through all that. I don't even know how I got through all that, to be honest, but here I am. And so I would say to my younger self that, you know, just um, don't waste your time worrying as much as I did. Because worrying is, again, going back to that earlier, is actually one of the system tentacles of fear, living in fear, false reality appearing real, that's or false evidence appearing real the acronym for fear you know we we often fall for these things and just to realize that you know you're always going to be okay and you know um i think you know i'm happy with the direction i've come so far because when i think about my personal life where i came from and where i am today I have, I would have never, ever thought that this would be my reality, but that's what's so amazing about life is that it takes you on a path. If you live your truth and you don't live other people's dreams and don't listen to them and tell, listen to them telling you what they want you to do. And just, you know, that's why I love Mark Palmer Steves in his theme show. My family thinks I'm crazy because it's better to have your family think you're crazy and do what you want to do than what they want you to do. It's mm-hmm. just to make other people happy. So yes, that's one thing is not to make other people happy. Just be you and people will be happy that you're being you and living your truth. Well said, my friend Loomis, I appreciate you being here. I feel sincerely inspired by this conversation. I can never awesome. put a price tag on this experience. I'm happy to, to do this just for the experience itself. And it's amazing that we've been able to to connect and share. And you've been able to teach me quite a lot in just this last hour and 30 minutes. It's very exciting. I'm very excited to, to speak with you again. You're welcome back on my show anytime. And I'm looking forward to diving into many, many more topics. Now, I know you're on www.chanitdownradio.com. Is there any anything else you would like to plug anywhere else we can find you? How do we stay in touch with Loomis? Well, let's see. So one thing you mentioned is how you found me on Instagram and I was totally inactive 
pretty much. Mm. And then I started getting active and you found me. So that was cool. I just wanted to say that because if I hadn't, I don't know why I decided to, to start my Instagram all up again, but I did. And because of that, you know, you, we found each other and that's cool. You know, things happen like that. So, but anyway, I do have an Instagram. It's called Chan it down. Um, I, I'm not on there as much. I, I never really wanted to be, but I think I am enjoying posting on there, but also you can find me on my YouTube channel, truth filled trajectory. And um, you can probably, I'm going to be live streaming soon. So you'll be able to find me pretty soon on Rockfin nice. and Odyssey and Twitch. And uh, that's pretty much where you can find me, but tenantdownradio.com is a website all the uh, RSS feeds pretty much out there have the show. And that's what I recommend doing is going back. Don't be afraid to even go back to 2013 and listen mm. because there's great stuff in there. And I'm not saying that to boast my own show. Cause sometimes I think, Oh God, I don't want to listen to my old self, mm. but you know, there's stuff in there that came through that's still worth listening to today. And, and if anybody would like to uh, support the show, they can go to the support page. And one thing they can do is dipping into my, my past as a lyricist. I have my album here, uh, Waking the Systemites from mm. 2008, and they can buy a CD, but also supporting helps. But I never really like to ask for money or anything, but support is always good. So just spread the word. That's what I like to, to tell people because um, I've been a record and upload guy for a pretty long time, but now networking, that is helping the show reach more circles. So that's the way I should have done it a long time ago, but it's okay. It's uh, got a storehouse of stuff for people to listen to, and that's how you can get a hold of me. Beautiful, my friend. Beautiful. And I just got to ask because you brought it up, but uh, would you be willing to send me an MP3 that I could play on the outro? Can we share a little bit of music with? Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah. be right. That would be awesome. So stay, yeah. stay, stay tuned, folks. We're going to hear a bit of Loomis's tracks in a bit. And once again, man, I'm happy to speak with you anytime. This was really cool. And I'm inspired by you and your process it's all learning as we said off air before and i'm happy to keep on learning and keep on growing and evolving so thank you loomis have a have an excellent night man looking forward to speaking with you again very soon thank you jake thanks for having me on i appreciate it and you will we'll connect again soon awesome cheers man all right all right hey my friends this will be a fairly quick outro because we have loomis's music playing here so i want to give him the floor here just want to thank him and please check him out www.chantedownradio.com you can find him on instagram chanted down chanted down podcast is pretty cool definitely want to check it out and big thanks to all the people we've mentioned today especially mark from my family thinks i'm crazy appreciate you bro cheers and guys as i always say at the end of these episodes be here be now be you peace there's a poison in the structure. People suffer, people suffocate. We're suffocated, they be making all bubble. Subtle is the kettle of the snake that squeezes. Hate to see this matrix seizes. Maybe we just need to pull the plug. Drain the system, poison out of body. You were probably overdosing. Most you life and never noticed. Overloaded, rub the cups and come and toast. And no one's up and no emotion. No one goes in this dimension here. We work all day and is there always a thinking crystal clear? Everything we do revolves around the dollar count. It's all around us, all around. We're falling down and knocks you out. Get up and Counts, all think out the top of flame will cost you cancer, dropping houses all around us. Got your spouses, got your house, you call the council, got no answer. Evolving out in small amounts, all we have is all planned out for our defeat. Water down the modern man and bottle up. 
So we have no intuition of a vision that it's all corrupt Ooh, I know we met our vision and Bobby always been forgotten We're sick of our thoughts and living in boxes Now let's go find all of those outreaches Forgotten the beaches to walk on the tree top tomorrow All pieces are part of us go find out what's been making you tick But didn't face it with criticism Awaken your inner visions Slow lie down, you better leave your belongings You'll start receiving your callings and be unleashing from bondages Every day in our face, we do what they say, they use us away Pollution can take, conducing our brains, we choose to escape To do what they make, do what they make You wear it on your face, I can see the burden on your shoulders heavy And it's getting unrelenting, you're frowning from how hard the world's strains you And stress is depressing, too fast, it's just a system It's a hope that puts you in scenarios you never chose It's not your fault that every known element in your life is in control Everything but not your soul, so this can be some therapy Some psychedelic clarity, don't fight between polarities Go where it will not go, slide between So who'd you be when it's all out? Everything you think needs to go now Defeat the people that hold down You from beating you blow out Your brain cloud Become new and escape now Take Route 86, escape now Gotta lay down Everything you learned Everything you know Everything they ever told you Drain the poison from your soul Bringing it out Draining it out It is about A way to get out Our minds are polluted Find a solution Life illusion Pretend it in our base We do what they say The use is a way Pollution can take And do it to our brains We choose to escape Do what they make Do what they make People beyond People beyond waking up to the people we need to be. 2004. Beat by cumulus. It's a shocking eruption of great electrical energy. I feel. I feel connected to all living things, to flowers, to some special spirit, and even to some great. Unseen living force, living force.